Hi, this is Jeff. And this is Mariana. And we're professional storytellers who love books. Welcome to Fiction Friends. Where we take a deep dive into the most popular fiction titles in all of literature. From classic reads and old-time favorites. To modern romance and contemporary thrillers. Join us as we discover new ways to read, look at, and talk about books. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so you stay up to date with every new release. From Here Coworking is a collaborative place where you can work, focus, build, strategize, and play. To put it simply, you can do it all from here. They offer dedicated and flexible workspaces for individuals who need a place to work. They also cater to creatives like us who need a space to do our hobbies and passions. You can be a part of the From Here community by following them on social media at From Here Cebu on Facebook and Instagram. This episode is brought to you by From Here Coworking Space. Hello everyone, welcome to our final episode of Fiction Friends. Jet is here and Mariana's here too. Hi. And we've got a, what? Is it a heavy one for you today? Not really a heavy no, one, but it's, it's a like it's a classic. Yeah. It's a classic. Um, or I'm very excited to talk about it. Yes. Because mostly because I want to hear what Mariana has to say about it. Um, it's one of my favorite books about time. And you clicked on the title, you know what it is. It's To Kill a Mockingbird by Harper Lee. So, yeah, Mariana, last episode of season two, season finale. I How know, do you feel? Right? <laughs> I mean, it doesn't even feel like it's been this long if you think about it, but it's like kind of long now. Yeah, but I feel like I've read so many books because of because the podcast. Of, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like 10, 10 of my like 50 yeah. in, in 2022 is probably because of, of, or of more. the podcast. Yeah, or more. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's been a great two seasons so far. We, yeah. We've amassed some kind of a listenership. Yes, and we're so happy. We're so happy. Thank you guys for continuously supporting us. Yeah. Um, so today, actually, I think (laughs) they released the trailer of Where the Crawdads Sing. Yes. And and Mariana's (laughs) excited about it. Yeah. And so are a lot of you. Yeah, which is which is funny because the book that we're going to talk about today, actually, I mentioned in the Crawdad Sing review that it reminded me a lot of to kill a mockingbird because of the setting i think the setting the courtroom scene you know and but, but yeah, we'll yeah, get yeah, into yeah, all that. yeah yeah we'll yeah 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 now that, that you mentioned yeah. oh my so god so it has a lot of similarities yes um but we'll get into that um but first maybe you want to go into the spoiler free summary of the book all right so yes we're ending our last episode of season two with a classic, To Kill a Mockingbird by Harper Lee. So it's a Pulitzer Prize winner rated 4.3 on Goodreads, and you've probably read this in middle school. I, on the other hand, had Shakespeare and would have loved and would have probably preferred this piece of literature. <laughs> so To Kill a Mockingbird is a coming-of-age story about this kid named Scout and the course of her life in two to four years. The book is set in the fictional town of Maycomb, Alabama, during the Great Depression. Mm. She and her brother Jem were raised by a widow dad named Atticus, who is a respected lawyer in their community. So the book is also dubbed as a masterpiece of American literature. It's an easy read, and it is in the perspective of Jean-Louise Finch, who's nicknamed Scout. So she's a kid, and that's personally a plus for me. 
because although I'm not so fond of children, reading novels and their perspective makes everything humorous and more fun. And it's it's a first-person novel, so it's yeah, exactly your course, type of yes. storytelling. But I... I oh, no, uh, yeah, yeah, but the I would say that this is one of those rare first-person novels that like do it really well, but we'll get into that later. Go really? Yeah. You feel? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'll explain Wait, later. I'll explain why. Was where the crawdads like that? Was I, it, was I, it I forgot. In, was it in first person? I don't remember if it was. I don't think it was. It was. I don't think it was. Yeah. But Catcher was. Yeah, because there were scenes in crawdads where in we Kaya wasn't there. Remember? Like there were, Oh yeah, right? yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Makes sense now. Yeah. So the novel starts with activities that she and her brother used to do it together with their friend Dill. So it's reminiscent to my childhood because I was a boyish kid who grew up with a male cousin who was older than me. I love just as much as Scout loves Gem. So it was entertain it was an entertaining read reading about the games they would play and their obsession with a neighbor who they secretly call Boo Radley because he never goes out of the house. And they have all these ideas about him basically painting Boo Radley as a peculiar scary being and they even find ways to make him come out of the house. Mm. So this book is filled with characters that are easy to love like Boo for me their father Atticus, who schools them to about morals, race, religion, and other topics, together with another character who was just as lovely, Calpurnia, their African-American housekeeper. And you might be wondering why there is a need to point that out. It's because her being black plays a very significant role in this story. So reading this book, it makes you understand why it is a very vital read for middle school to high school pupils, as there are a handful of lessons, major ones that everyone should learn, as it is also timeless, even when it's set back in the late 1930s, I guess? Yeah, the yes, Depression 19, era, yeah. 1930s. So the writing takes you back on the set date, and you can really picture out the setting and mood. I would have to agree with the rest of the world that the dad Atticus is the best dad ever written in literature. <laughs> I'm well, glad that you shared that opinion. Okay, because you, you feel the same? <laughs> yes, I've been saying that for the longest time. But yeah, I'm glad that you feel the same way. Of course, I mean... <laughs> So Atticus was assigned to defend an African-American Tom Robinson as he is accused of raping this 19-year-old who also happens to live in a very sad and filthy household with an alcoholic abusive father. So towards the middle of the book, I was like, okay, so what's up? I remember even messaging you like, okay, so what's happening? Because I was in the middle and nothing was really, you know. So I was like asking Jet, so what is this all about? As I jumped into it blindly. So I'm also not shy to admit of not having read this when it's supposed to be something I should have already read. But we all have different curriculums in my defense. Yeah. And I also don't gear towards the classics all the time. Mm. Though I'm slowly picking up some of them. But ones that I truly enjoy are classics like The Wind in the Willows, Alice Adventures in Wonderland, yeah, yeah. Winnie the Pooh. Basically, children's classic. So if you haven't read this book, don't be shy. It's a pick it up. I think, it, I think I can argue it's a children's classic. Like, oh, yeah? I would let kids read this. Oh, well, yes, of course. But it's not categorized. Oh, yeah, yeah, as, yeah, yeah. It's not the children's reason. book. It's yeah, a, yeah, yeah. So to our listeners who have children, especially when they're in middle school, I urge you to let them read as it is also a good introduction not only to human decency but also to the culture in Mm. that place. Especially because back in the day, me, especially me being an Asian kid, I was not exposed to racism. Yes. Yeah, but of course, times have changed and kids are more aware now. Yeah. And some may try to be politically correct. But anyway, this is a sub-lesson along with gender and stereotypes and how limiting 
women's political rights were. Um, there are other important lessons that I shouldn't discuss yet as we are still at the spoiler-free portion of this episode. Yeah. So it is also a heartbreaking story told lightly in the eyes of a child as mm. a lot of people in the story are considered victims of social injustice, including the woman who accused Tom Robinson of raping her. So this story is straightforward with a simple premise with complex takeaways. Warm enough, it feels like a Sunday. So it has its charm and it's very powerful. Um. What what is your what's your rating? Because you usually end your reviews with a rating. That's why I ask. Ah, oh, well, for this <laughs> one, I would give it a four. Okay, a four point zero. Is that your highest classic that you've rated so far? I forgot how much I rated. Um, I don't think you rated Catcher, Catcher very that, high. Or but Gatsby. I enjoyed this more than I enjoyed Catcher. How about that's Gatsby? For sure. Did you like this more than Gatsby? Um. I think so. You do? I, I think so. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it's because I've seen the movie before. But like if ah, I compare it, okay. like I like Gatsby's story more than this one. Okay. But like with regards to like reading experience, yeah. I had more fun, more fun with this. Reading To Kill a Mockingbird. That's good. I'm really happy to well, say that. Um, you sound so relieved. No, I was I, I was I was anticipating because you're right. You messaged me. You were like, "What? What the hell? What yeah, is this about?" Like, so I wasn't already anticipating. Like, oh no, Mariana might not like, like this, this book. Yeah. But I'm glad to hear you say that. Um, when it comes to reading classics, I think that one of the first books that often get mentioned is To Kill a Mockingbird. Yeah. Um, you know, along with as what you mentioned, Catcher in the Rye, The Great Gatsby, and all of that. But, um. It's it's incredibly accessible as a book yes. compared and very to the other affordable also right um yeah and like I don't know it's less how do you call this it's less intimidating to read ah right yeah. even if it is a classic it's um like more than Gatsby more than uh, Catcher in the Rye To Kill a Mockingbird is really easy to comprehend it's an easy read in the sense that it's not as metaphorical. It's not very metaphorical. I feel like out of the three, Gatsby was the hardest. Right to out like of the three, analyze, yeah. yeah. And then it also doesn't demand as much from the reader, um, uh-huh. like the symbiotic relationship that's formed between the book and the reader. The book does a lot of the heavy lifting here. So as a reader, you're merely made to absorb everything that the book is saying, and um, the 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 story is of it's not, again it's not very demanding, but it is still quite heavy it's still serious yes. it's still complex um the storytelling and the narrative does most of the work in terms of getting its mer- messages across uh-huh. yes there are a few concepts and metaphors that require you to dig a little deeper and reflect on them more profoundly but it's not as exhausting a read as like i don't know uh, the lord of the flies or like a 1984 really? like those are really uh, oh god now i'm exhausting gonna... books to read like the 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 metaphors that and the themes that are explored in those kinds of books I get, maybe because also they're very dark themes but yeah the to kill a mockingbird still touches on dark themes while maintaining a light disposition um, yes, that's yes. the best way i can explain it um i've already mentioned before on this podcast that i don't typically like first person narratives because they're very difficult to do well but <laughs> in this instance i think harper lee does the story incredibly well and this is why in the story, we are seeing things played out through the eyes of Scout. Yes. Scout Finch. And Scout is an interesting character to use as a first-person narrator because she has very little agency about her. If you look at the book in its entirely entirety in its stories, none of the decisions that are made are, are made by Scout. By Scout, yes. None of the actions that take place happen to Scout. 
they're happening to everyone around her. And uh, Scout is an interesting uh, narrator. Um, if you go, uh, because she's constantly telling her story, but the stars of her story are people like Jen, Atticus, Aunt Alexandra, and Calpurnia. Yes. She's telling stories about them. It's never about her. her yeah. Yes. And Scout is positioned more like a sponge who exposes herself to so many different people and situations. Uh-huh. And she tries her best to make sense uh, of everything that's happening around her. There's even a quote uh, in the book about a lesson that Atticus teaches her. Uh, and she, she says, Atticus told me to delete the adjectives and I'd have the facts. And that's essentially the kind of narration that we get. Yeah, it's, here. It's, there is some slight colorful commentary sprinkled every now and then, but it's mostly about a narration of things that happen, happen. around her. Yeah, yeah. And, but for the most part, the non-agency works so well because it's consistent with one of the book's most major themes, which is, I think it might even be its most major theme, which is empathy. Um, without giving too much away, the book encapsulates the idea of empathy so well I don't uh-huh. know if I've ever mentioned this on a podcast before, on this podcast before, but I'm always so fond of small town stories. Like I love yeah, yeah. books that have like small town settings. Would, would you call that domestic fiction also, Loki? Uh, yeah, something almost, like, almost, yeah, yeah something if it's like that. Positioned that way. Um, because and I love books with small town settings because there's so much leeway for authors to get into the nuances of the community. And yes. the people that make them up. And it's the same appeal that comes uh, with other small town books that we featured on this podcast previously, like Where the Crawdads Sing. It was uh-huh, a small yeah, town small setting. Time, yeah. I also did a five minute review on another small town setting book called Plain Song. Um, I think also uh, The Curious Incident of the Dog in the yes. Nighttime was also kind of like a small town setting book. Art of Racing in the Rain, also. Right? So, like, those kinds of books greatly appeal to me. Um, Harper Lee was able to create a small town environment that served as a microcosm for the entire state of Alabama at a time when racial tensions were incredibly high. Yes. Um, Even though it is a relatively small town, it is made up of so many different kinds of people with differing ideologies, backgrounds, interests, motivations, and goals. And we're allowed to explore these characters through the blank, unadulterated, and innocent eyes of Scout. So everything that we experience and feel about these people that we're introduced to is through the perspective of Scout. And she doesn't have much agency to the story, but she serves as a great sponge. She absorbs as much as she can from the people around her, and she gives us, the readers, the opportunities to do so as well. And keep in mind that this book was written back in the 1960s, and so there are some aspects of the writing that are might be a little dated. But I think the lessons uh, yeah? and concepts that, well, partic- in particular, like uh, the, the, the way that they, they talk, they, yeah, how they you converse, know, the dialogue. Yes, yeah. But, but uh, sorry, despite saying that, I think that the dialogue is the greatest strength of this book. I think that the conversations the characters have with one another, they're the they're my favorite was, parts of the book, especially that? at especially the ones involving Atticus. Atticus I think yeah. he's like one of the best literary fictional characters, as what yes. you've said. Um, the book shines in its dialogue, uh, but the lessons and concepts that are explored in this book, despite uh, despite the dialogue or some of the writing feeling dated, the lessons and the concepts are timeless. Mm-hmm. And that's why 
I I'm happy to hear that the To Kill Mockingbird resonated with you to a certain degree. Of course. Um, this is just a testament to how well the characters are written and how their personal beliefs are conveyed in the conversations they have with one another. Yeah. And there are some current criticisms of the book and how it might promote white saviorism, but I don't totally think oh. that those criticisms hold any weight. We'll talk about yes. that later on. Well, this I want I want to bring I want to re- I really want to explore that uh, argument. Um, because it's personal to me. But <laughs> at the end of the day, To Kill a Mockingbird is a great story. Yes. Uh, it's a smooth read with interesting characters who manage to impart so many profound lessons and viewpoints that are crucial to anyone's, anyone's own behavioral development, the way that you interact with other people. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that that's it. I think I would give it a more generous score than you. I'd give it a 4.5. 4.5. Yeah. yeah. Maybe higher even. Maybe I'm being too harsh on it. But yeah, I really love this book. Um, it was one of the first classics I ever read, actually. That's it for our initial spoiler-free review of uh, To Kill a Mockingbird. You want to move into the context surrounding the book? Yeah, yeah, sure. Sure. All right. So the book was originally published in 1960 and went on to win the Pulitzer Prize in literature the year after that. And then the year after that, uh-huh. um, an Academy Award-winning film, To Kill a Mockingbird, was produced in 1962. But they never made a new Movie, no? Because, have you seen the old one? No, I it's didn't. It's so good. Like The black and white one, it's, right? It's like, uh, as far as classic films goes, the, yeah. that's one of the best. Like uh, Even as a standalone movie, it's really, really good. Oh. And um, it's so funny because I think it was John Green who said... Because when John Green was promoting... What was what's his book? His popular book that became a movie? Fault, Fault in Our Stars. Yeah. Fault in Our Stars. Then he's like, so many movies struggle to encapsulate the appeal of a book. Yeah. It's because a lot of movie houses focus mostly on um, on market appeal as opposed to staying true to like the actual art form. But To Kill a Mockingbird, he said, is the best film adaptation of any book of all time. And that's coming from him. And I, I, I think, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that, but I definitely think that it is one that stays loyal to the source material. Yes. It focuses on the concepts and the importance lessons that are explored in the book. And yeah, that's, I mean, I, I encourage you to see, it, it used to be on Netflix. That's where I first saw it actually, but I don't think it's uh, there yeah, anymore. Yeah, it's not there anymore. I see. Yeah. Um, it sold more than 40 million copies worldwide already as of now, the book. Um, Lee never published another book until just one year before she died, which was Go yeah. Set the Watchman. Yeah. Uh, Did in you read 2015. It? Yes, I have read Gosetta Watchman. It's set, so what? What's that? What's that year gap? My math is failing me. 55 years yes. after To Kill a Mockingbird was released. Now, the interesting thing about Gosetta Watchman, I know you've tried to read it. Yeah, but then you told me na, don't read it na lang till because you, you finish. Because you haven't read. Yeah, because like when I read it, I was like, not even there. Yeah. So it's it's a polarizing book because I don't know if it's okay to spoil it, but let's just say that when uh, Harper Lee wrote uh, Go Set a Watchman before she wrote To Kill a Mockingbird, despite the fact that Go Set a Watchman is a sequel. Yeah. So it happens 20 years after the events of To Kill a Mockingbird. But since she wrote it before To Kill a Mockingbird, Atticus is very different. He's portrayed as a very different kind of person. And so how does that even like connect? Like so, did he yeah. grow to so be? So that's the thing. The, the 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 novel was never positioned to be published, published at all. Exactly. It was never supposed to be published. It My just so happened that, that uh, yeah. it just so happened that it was published. But I think uh, Harper did ha- one. I think Harper made it clear that this is not a sequel. It was what To Kill a Mockingbird was supposed to be. 
essentially. If that's how, oh, I think how that's old how was Scout there? She's older, so twenty years older, so like mid twenties. Ah, okay. Yeah, so she, so the whole premise of the story is Scout comes back to Maycom from living her life, and she and Atticus have some very serious discussions about race, and Atticus isn't the same person that we're that we're familiar with in To Kill the Mockingbird. It's very, I I, I personally like I, I I won't say that I like the book, but I think that it told a story of the, about To Kill a Mockingbird that wasn't told in this book. Because To Kill a Mockingbird, despite being relatively dark, is very optimistic. Yeah. And Go Set the Watchman is not. Oh my God. Yeah, so it's very... That's in my TV. It's the darker take. Okay. It's the darker take on the issue. And I don't know, I still encourage people to read it, develop your own opinions. Um, it's not as good as the Kimmel, yeah, to Kill it, Mockingbird. I, I think it had a low rating, Mangani. I'm yeah. not sure how low, but like mm. lower, of most course. Of the, most of the criticism really stemmed from the fact that it was Atticus. like it was like Harper Lee murdered the Atticus Finch character. Like yeah. it's so out of the ordinary. Maybe that's why she didn't want to publish it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, a Broadway play was adapted by Aaron Sorkin in 2018. Um, Aaron Sorkin, who is my favorite screenwriter. I have I have yet to see the Broadway play, um, but I, I've heard it had good reviews. But and yeah, that's about it. That's all of the context we can provide you so far for uh, To Kill a Mockingbird. Uh, we'll be right back after this break. And that concludes the spoiler-free portion of the episode. If you do plan on reading the book, please feel free to come back and join us in the conversation in the second part of this episode. We'll be right back. Now we're back. And in this portion of our podcast, we usually talk about our favorite quotes and lines from the book, followed by favorite scenes and our final thoughts. Yeah. So um, brace yourselves, guys. I have a lot of quotes. So uh, <laughs> I, I, I thought I said earlier that the biggest strength of this book is the dialogue. And the reason yes. why I said that is because like, uh, what was that other book? Uh, Midnight Library. No, Cerulean Sea. Yeah, like Cerulean okay. Sea, a lot of the most insightful parts of the book were, were, were through the from, conversations. Yeah, the, the were taken from the conversations that people had with one another. Those were also the 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 most important lessons from that book were also delivered through conversations. Where you, why? Because <laughs> like I thought you were gonna say like Midnight Library because like there are parts of the book the vibe that I was getting was like a it was like a diba, you know how Midnight Library was dubbed as self help. Yes. Okay, it's kind of self-helpy. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I found this also. Kind did you of, find it preachy? This, this book, *The Kill Mockingbird*. Loki, low low I did because yeah. I was like, this would appear preachy if I was a kid reading it, mm. like telling me how to be good, yeah, yeah. how to be empathetic, and yeah. yeah, that's why I thought you were gonna say, oh, kind of like *Midnight Life*. Yeah, but it, it has an interesting take on. Uh, Teaching empathy. Okay, so, so yes. the quote, the main quote, I think the popular quote about empathy in this book is the Attica said, You never really understand a person until you consider things from his <laughs> point of view, yes. until you climb inside of his skin and walk around in it. And this is a theme that is continuously, continuously brought up all throughout the book. It paves the way for Scout to, like when she goes with Calpurnia to, to the African American church. And yeah. she sees how they live their lives. And then, yes. and then she even asks Calpurnia, like, 
why don't why do you talk different when you're with the black people and why yeah, do you why talk, you talk different, different when you're, when you're with, with us? us? And then like California says sometimes like you have to be able to adjust to who you're talking to and who you're interacting with. And then I really it, love that. it goes back to that theme of like being conscious of who you're interacting with, like understanding yeah. like if I started talking like a white person in front of black people, like um, I think that's what I'm just paraphrasing what Calpurnia said. Like, if I started talking like a white person in in the amongst the black people, like that wouldn't be taken well. Uh, so I'm just trying to stay mindful, trying to be sensitive. I'm climbing yeah. into their skin and trying to understand how would they want me to interact with them. So, yes. like, and then it also boils down to like, um, I think they invite a friend of like a poor. They have a poorer classmate. Um, the Cunningham kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They invite him over, and then the they, first part of the book. She, she and then Calpurnia scolds her because she judges him for like pouring they, yeah. syrup all over his food or something like that. We'll, we'll get into that because that's one of my favorite moments. But um, yeah, so again, this is a theme that's constantly being reinforced all throughout the book. That, and I, I love that it's Scout. I love that we're made to explore the th- story through Scout because yes. she makes a genuine effort to try to understand where other people are coming from. And so yeah. it forces us to do the same as readers. So, yeah, that's my first quote. I'll just sneak in a little second quote also because whoa, whoa, whoa. it's such it's such a cute quote. It says, "Until I feared I would lose it, I never loved to read. One does not love breathing." That's one of my favorite quotes. I think I read this book when I first read this book more than ten years ago. And then when I first read that line, I was like, I did, "That's such a profound and poignant way of uh, expressing passion for anything in general. Like it's really cool." Do you have anything? No. Really? <laughs> of course I do. Oh my god. I have two. <laughs> so it's not really it's not really a quote. It was more of like um a line. Yeah, it was it's it, this is not a quote. Okay. It's just a line from the book. So Scout puts it so well. Uh it goes like it was times like these where I thought my father who hated guns and had never mm. been to any wars was the bravest man who ever lived. Yeah. I like that. This yeah. quote is also like epitome of the relationship of Scout and her father yeah. and the adoration there is for him. Something I can totally relate as I also think my dad is the bravest oh, man yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, there's also another quote. This is my last. It's not a quote. Okay. Another another line. And then this is my last one. It was Atticus. And he's like, Good evening, Mrs. DeBose. You look like a picture this evening. I never heard Atticus say like a picture of what? <laughs> That, okay, I, you know, I love that Miss, Mrs. Nubo's character because she's so... At first, like, you really hate her. But then her story develops. I am, she's actually in my um, favorite moments. We'll get to that later. But I really love her character. <laughs> yeah, we'll get into that. Uh, okay, I think we can talk about uh, the courtroom scene because I really love the courtroom scene. I love Atticus, like, showcasing his intelligence yes. and his intellectual superiority to the entire town. And then uh, he goes on this monologue uh, the how all men are created equal. Thomas Jefferson said that all men are created equal, but that's not really the case. Like uh, a person who is born rich isn't necessarily going to have an equal lifestyle as someone who is born poor. So that's not true. We're not equal. Like a per- a person who is African American will not have an equal life as someone who is white, who is born white, and that's just the reality. Like we're not all born equal. However, in the eyes of the law we should all be equal. And that's why someone like Tom Robinson, regardless of his skin color, should be treated equally, um, should have a case that is judged equally and assessed equally as as other people. And I love that because 
um, I think I was reading this book. The first time I read this book, it was during a time where I was exploring my own political conscience. Also, for the first time, I was going through uh. my political discoveries and how I viewed the world in a political uh-huh. lens. And then this, this was one of those that greatly affirmed my political stance. Also, um, my understanding of justice and all of that. Yes. And I, I, and what was, I think I was in my... 20s. I, I think early 20s or late teens... I don't know. I don't remember. Something around 19, 20, 21, or around that age. So I had never realized just how impactful a uh, moral compass that Attica served in my life also until I reread this book. Yes. Um, uh, in connection with your previous quote about how Atticus is like the bravest man in the world, I think he has a quote yeah. wherein he tells Jem, like, I wanted you to see what real courage is. Instead of getting the idea that courage is a man with a gun in his hand, it's when you're licked before you begin, but you begin anyway and see it through no matter what. So yeah. that's like he's explaining to Jem, like, even though he knew he was going to lose this trial, even though he knew that Tom Robinson had yes. no, like, he was, that. Tom Robinson yeah. was guilty the moment. Um, Mayela Yule opened her mouth and uh-huh. he he didn't care. Like he said, I I I wanted to see this case through myself even though I know I'm going to lose because it's the right thing to do. Yes. Yeah, and I love that. I love the principle. Yeah. No, no, no. yeah. There, there's also this uh, very interesting because Jem and Scout, again, Scout is very, she, nothing much happens to her. She's not, she's not much of a, she doesn't think too deeply because she, yeah, she's she, a child. She, yeah, she's a child. And it's really Jem who's like... I think Jem is more like of a star of the story because a lot of stuff happens to him. And I guess it's because also Scout, well, like, she adores yeah. Jem so much. Yeah, yeah. She really of idolizes course, him. Yeah. Yeah. And there's this the point star. where in, like, the kids were in there. They're subjected to teasing. Like the kids are being told that their dad is an N-word lover. And <laughs> I think even Mrs. Dubose... Right, yeah. right. She's she's get really mean to Jem, and then it makes him really upset. And then, so he questions Atticus, like, so Atticus, what if you're wrong? Like, what if, what if everyone else is right and you're the one who's wrong here for defending Thomas Robinson? And then, because you know, because Jem is like, everyone else thinks that he's guilty. Like, why, why, why don't you think? He, yeah. Why are you defending him? And then Atticus has a really poignant response, and he says, "The one thing that doesn't abide by majority rule is a person's conscience." Yes. And it's consistent with uh, another quote by Henry David Thoreau wherein, in one of my favorite books, um, Civil Disobedience, wherein Henry David Thoreau says, he contends that majority rule is not based on justice or fairness, but rather on nothing more than the fact that the majority is physically stronger than the minority. I, I love how Atticus is like, yes, well, just because the majority thinks a certain way doesn't necessarily mean that that's right. And again, it, I... Since this was actually a quote that was mentioned in chapter 11, which I was, I will talk about more later because it is my favorite chapter of the book. And it, it is when uh, the, the entire chapter when Jem is forced to read to Mrs. DeBose uh, after school. Ah. I love that chapter. And um, it's again, it all boils down to the theme of like teaching empathy wherein he's trying to tell Jem, okay, see things from another point of view. Just because other people see things that way doesn't mean that you have to follow them. Um, I loved I loved that uh, entire segment, but we'll get into that later. Uh, maybe I have one more. You know how like it's a really big deal to me how the title of the book is incorporated into the storytelling. Oh, the ending right. is the ending. No, it's not the ending. Um, oh, well, I, I guess no, no, towards the ending. Towards the ending. Yeah. Falling action. Yeah. Or no resolution. A resolution. Yeah, yeah. So like um, 
Ate ko set the gem one day. I'd rather you shot at tin cans in the backyard, but I know you'll go after birds. Shoot all the blue jays you want if you can hit them, but remember it's a sin to kill a mockingbird. That was the only time I ever heard Ate say that it's a sin to do something, and I asked Miss Maudie about it. Your father's right, she said. Mockingbirds don't do one thing except make music, music for us to enjoy. They don't eat up people's gardens, don't nest in corn cribs. Uh, they don't do one thing but sing their hearts out for us. That's why it's a sin to kill a mockingbird. And once you get to that point, you have no idea why the book is called To Kill a Mockingbird. Like you don't <laughs> like you never really understand why is this book to kill a mocking why is this book called yeah. To Kill a Mockingbird? And then and then uh, that's when you realize like Oh, okay. So it all boils down to like um, it's a preservation of beauty kind of thing. Yeah. Um, something that doesn't mean to harm any other people. And then when you're forced to analyze, like who is the mockingbird in this scenario? Is it Boo Radley who uh, who save who eventually saved Jim Jim and uh, Scout from the evil guy, or is it somebody like Calpurnia who is very uh-huh. Uh, strict and loving and motherly or is the mockingbird someone like scout who is innocent wide-eyed still learning about the world and you realize that like it could be anyone. What, who did Tim, tom robinson was? could also be a mockingbird, mockingbird right yeah. but and i think the whole point of it is like anyone can be a mockingbird as long because ah because because <laughs> Not no no I, I, no because i'll connect this to the very last line that atika says in the book um I think he's he's telling a story, a story to Scout, right? And then he's putting her to bed. And then um, Scout is like, Atticus, he was real nice. And then Atticus replies, most people are, Scout, when you finally see them. So it's yeah. like, it, it just ends the book yeah. in such an optimistic tone. And then like, yes. you can find beauty um, and goodness in the uh-huh. people you meet as long as you make the effort to do so. Uh-huh. And I think that's the whole point of the book. It's just like, take some time uh, give more effort towards exploring the people you meet and the people around you and then you'll end up seeing something beautiful about them you'll see yes. the mockingbird in them so I, I i guess that's it for my favorite quotes um this book is filled with so many more and i i don't i don't yeah, want to like is, i could practically is. just like recite the entire book um that entire courtroom sequence that monologue that atticus has is like maybe one of my favorite monologues in classic literature i really love that monologue um which is why uh, I was. I also really. I got really excited about the courtroom scene in uh, yeah, <laughs> Crawdads. Yeah. Also, um, maybe we can uh, instead of. I mean, we can already we can talk about our favorite moments, but we can also combine it with like our favorite characters and like yeah. stuff that uh, other other things that we might think about the book. So I mentioned earlier that chapter eleven is my favorite chapter, and I think why. I think why the reason why it's my favorite chapter is because it can stand alone as its own short story. So. The book starts out with uh, Gem and Scout. They're cursed by Mrs. Yeah. Dubose. Like they, she tells them that their dad's up to no good. Like he's an N-word lover, and you know all of that. And uh, and so what Gem does is he uh, tramples on her flower garden of I forgot the name of the flower. What is it? Camellias. Camellias. Yeah. I think the flower. And then. Uh, so as punishment, Atticus tells Gem to like you have to read to her. Every day after school, you know, et cetera, et cetera, after that. And I uh, I really love the way that that entire sequence was structured because it, it it perfectly encapsulates the whole, you never really know someone until you climb into their skin and walk around in their shoes. Because up until the end, Jen never understood why he had to do that. read the book. 
Yeah. Right? And it's only at the end when Atticus tells him that like you were helping her deal with her morphine addiction. Like this woman was had uh, was addicted to her painkiller. She was dying. And whenever you read to her, it took her mind off of her pain. And that was the only way that she was able to suppress her addiction. And then uh, like, like, so like, like yeah, the yeah. entire sequence, like from start to end, it's like a short story that stands on its own. It perfectly encapsulates the message of this book. And um, I don't know, it's, it, it's, it, again, it showcases how Atticus is like this really great dad. At, he's really good at teaching his kids um, uh-huh. important lessons like that by making them experience it for themselves. Um, it's not just about like talking the talk. He actually lets them experience these things. So I love that. That's my favorite chapter of the book. Um, might be one of my favorite moments also. So uh, yeah, how about you? My favorite was, of course, um, the courthouse, the scene in the courthouse, yeah. which also contained... Another quote that I have behind my last quote. Yeah, yeah, which one? So it's like, I think it was, yeah, of course it was Atticus who said this. Um, never, never, never on cross examination ask uh, a witness a question you don't, don't already know the answer know to. The answer to. Yeah. Was I that I absorbed with my baby food? Do it, and you'll often get an answer you don't want, an yeah. answer that might wreck your case, which is. Yeah, which is kind of And true. I love how it's Scout who tells us that, right? Yeah, not like, Atticus. Yeah. She's, she's like, this is something that Atticus has always told me. And yeah, then like, what, like, how old is she? Like seven, yeah. six or seven? And she knows that already. Like, um, it, it just goes to show like how much, how good of a, again, it reinforces the point that she's such a good sponge. She just yeah. absorbs everything I that's happening. kids happening. are like that. Yeah, right. Like, yeah, that's why yeah. role models are like so important. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, I love that quote. I, I, I was actually thinking about but including say, that also. That. Um, I, I already mentioned it earlier, but one of my favorite scenes in the in the book is when they bring home the Cunningham kid because, he, again, he's poor. Yeah. So, um, and then Jem, Scout doesn't get it. Like, Scout doesn't understand why Jem wants to bring the kid home, like, to have a meal with them. Jem is such a nice boy. No? Such a nice boy. Even then, if, like, he's a, an annoying, like, teenager yeah, already, yeah, he's yeah. still a very nice he's, boy. And I think it's a testament, again, to, like, how well Atticus raised him. Yeah. And then, you know, all of that. And it's so funny because, uh, so the Cunningham kid proceeds to pour syrup all over his food. And then Scout is like, uh, sh- sh- she's shocked. She's like, well, what are you doing? And then Calpurnia <laughs> brings her bring, brings her to the kitchen. The and, kitchen I, yeah. and I found that really funny because Calpurnia said, if he wants to eat the tablecloth, you let him. He's like the mom. I mean, she plays such a good, like important role. In, yes. In, not just in their lives, but in the story in general. Because Calpurnia represents the kind of African-American who refuses to let her life be ruled by her race like yeah. her, her the color of her skin like it's not about whether she's white or black she's yeah. she she knows her principles she's she's well educated she taught Jem and Scout how to read yes They're, they know how to read I mean Scout even got scolded by her teacher I don't understand that I didn't understand that part that honestly part? yeah like wh- why did I I, d- I guess it's a, a it's a very rural Alabama town and then kids aren't expected to amount to much I, I'm, that's what I'm assuming and then uh, okay, maybe same, same. the teacher like didn't really understand why Scout was like that she didn't know who Atticus was because she's because re- it was mentioned like she's a new teacher yeah. or something like that so yeah um, I guess it was also made to illustrate na, 
Uh, Scout was also advanced. Yeah, a little bit like that. But um, also maybe the futility of the educational system in schools at that time. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not maybe it's a maybe. commentary on that. I'm yeah, not sure. Maybe. Um, maybe. Uh, yeah. So uh, yeah. again, the the courtroom sequence. One of my favorite scenes was the courtroom sequence. I. Uh, I, I love political monologues. <laughs> yeah. um, maybe you want to talk about the ending. You want to talk about the ending because there's a little ambiguity towards the ending. You don't want to talk about the ending? No, like... Or you, want, you have something else you want to talk about yeah, first. Yeah, okay, yeah. go ahead, go ahead. So I guess, like, my favorite character is this character who is not, like, explained much. Uh-huh. Like, only, like, an imagination of him. It's Boo. Boo. Yeah. I really like Boo Radley and, like, this... Some of my favorite scenes include... Boo, o- it, almost. You like, mean leaving the gifts in the in the what was that? that? Like a tree, like a tree hole or something. That and when he was like putting a blanket around her, yeah. was, I was like, okay, so I really love this. That guy, was Boo. cute. Yeah, that was the sweetest thing. Yeah, and yeah, I love seeing the love he had for these kids, even when his exposure to them was just through his window. Yeah, so that's why I really loved Boo. Yeah, like and then he ended up being pa. like the hero of the yeah, story. Yeah, that's why I didn't see it coming. Yeah. I didn't see, but like when. When when the book mentioned that the man was holding, I already knew na ah the man's Boo Radley, but, yeah. but like it never like I ne- did you did yeah. you think Boo would save the day? Yeah, yeah. I mean like um, it again it all boils down to the whole to kill a mockingbird quote. Like this is a guy who doesn't do any harm to anyone. Yeah. He's he's. He does all the small things. He gives the children gifts, gifts in yeah. the tree, and he put the blanket on, on Scout. But I don't understand the part where he placed cement. What was that? I think that was his dad. His dad. Uh, right? Not Boo. Not Boo. Not ah, Boo. Okay. Right. Yeah. And then, um, so because you you know like their their family isn't necessarily the most socially. Yeah. Uh, uh, they're not the most social people. So yes. Um, so yeah, and then in the end. Uh, the sheriff tries to protect Boo by yeah. by saying that no, he fell on the knife. Like Bob Ewell fell but, on the knife, yeah. and then uh, Atticus, Atticus doesn't get it at first. He's, he he yeah. doesn't understand. It's like he no, it was it was gem. It was, yeah, gem. <laughs> it was gem. And then uh, yeah, because like he, it's so far fetched to believe that a guy would just fall into his own knife. Yeah, like, exactly. Literally, it's so hard to talk about this book without not gushing because it's so hard to find a criticism. Like a bad, okay, maybe we can talk about the criticism, the white saviorism criticism. Um, so for context, I am I'm also on TikTok. Uh, well, I, I used to be on TikTok. I'm still on TikTok, but I don't publish content anymore because I think I saw that. Yeah. Comment. So I, I I commented about I made a review, a short review on *To Kill a Mockingbird* on my TikTok, and yeah. I talked about how it's one of the best, uh, most important classics uh, of all time. Yes. And then one, it it. There weren't too many, but one recurring comment that I got, especially from Gen Z TikTokers, was that uh, um, no offense to our Gen Z listeners, uh, we <gasps> love we love you guys, but it's just uh, I just Some, noticed yeah. that that the the Gen Z commenters were always telling oh we had a problem with to kill a mockingbird because of this concept called white saviorism, and admittedly yeah. I didn't know what that was. So I said I uh, as I as I did more of my research, I discovered that. White saviorism is this like concept wherein um, you're you're uh, you're acknowledging racial struggles, but you're but you're allowing the white person to be the star of the story and who who ends up serving as the hero of that story, and um, who wants to solve 
the problems of the repressed uh, yeah. of the repressed African American race. And that's not necessarily false because it is true. Atticus is a white person. He is a Caucasian man. He is a he is acting on behalf defending yeah. an African American man. But, but I don't think it's the point of the book. And I don't think that it's wrong. Like, wouldn't you want someone to, yeah. of privilege to help the underprivileged? Like, isn't yeah. that something that we should all strive for? Uh, yeah. Yeah, um, I really don't understand that uh, uh, criticism, if it is one even. Um, of course, I genuinely think, uh, I, I am of the belief that repressed people should act on their own agencies, that they should fight for their rights and fight yeah. for their liberties themselves. But if other people want to want help, to join in, then yeah. that shouldn't be an issue. A problem, yes. Yeah. Um, I, I, maybe I'm, I'm missing the point. Maybe I'm missing the point of that argument. If you understand the argument better, please do comment it in our yeah. Instagram or send me an email or whatever because <laughs> I want to be... Uh, he can like send us a DM. Yeah, you can send us a DM. Or revert. Um, yeah. Uh, you can send us whatever, however you want. I really want to understand this issue more but I... Okay, I didn't see it that way also. I didn't see it that way but I think I think uh, it is... I think it's good that a lot of books right now are casting minorities and... Yeah. Uh, showcasing these minority characters as strong individuals who are capable of uplifting themselves without the yeah. need of of uh, a white man, quote-unquote a white man. But I but don't think there's a problem is, with it. Yeah, but the story is about that. Yeah. So why are people like... Yeah, I, 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 again, we don't, I don't get it. <laughs> I don't, whatever. Yeah, um, I, I think that's... If, do you have any other moments you want to bring up? No? Okay, then maybe we can just end the book. Um, we've been talking about this book for a while. so Okay, so um, again, I, the, the one thing that I will say about this book is like, if you're the kind of person who reads books but you're afraid of getting into classics, you shouldn't be afraid of To Kill a Mockingbird. It's, yeah, I think this is one of the first you should also pick up. You should. Yeah. Yes. Uh, regardless more than, of... Sorry, more than Gatsby. Yeah, yeah, I or, agree. I really you agree. You know, like, pick this up. Yeah, it's it's it's... Targeted towards younger audiences, the young, the and not not young enough like the wind in the willows. Yeah, so. yeah. Um, yeah. it's like a it's a good book that like it's like when you want to take that next level into more serious books. But yes, with the serious still keeping it light. Uh, to Kill a Mockingbird is really good and um, very educational. It's also. very educational and timeless. Again, yeah. we, we've talked about the the concepts and the themes in this book. It's very timeless, and it it also helps that it has one of the best fiction fiction characters of all time in Atticus Finch. Like nobody hates this guy. <laughs> he's like yeah, he's like really really cool. Like he's the kind of dad I want to become also, um, if I'm ever given that privilege. And um, I love this book. I'm so glad that we covered it for the podcast because yeah. I don't know when I would have read it again. I urge you to read Gosetta Watchman after this and tell yeah, me how you feel. Yeah, I, I was like thinking of reading it already, but since like To Kill a Mockingbird is still fresh. Yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm gonna juggle it with my the secret history book. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, um, I guess that does it for season two. Season two, two yeah. <laughs> but we will be coming Ooh. out with a what in between season episode. Yeah, because you know, like. We Someone had asked, at, yeah, yeah, asked yeah. us already, like, where is that thing you promised us? Yeah, like, we were supposed to do an end of the year roundup yeah, kind of, of books, episode. Yeah, books but, we really loved um, and all that. The typhoon happened and, you know, we had a hard time. Excuse us for us. Yeah. But yeah um, and well, it's been a few months. So, like, yeah. um, 
So maybe we'll do it as our anniversary episode for our one year as fiction friends, which is in May. That's not too far away. Um, less a little over a month from now. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe, so maybe we'll we're do it. Record that. that um, record that soon. Yeah. yeah. And then we'll keep you posted for when season three. Season three will have more guests. We promise. Um, like four, maybe. Maybe more than that. Uh, yeah. Interesting guests. Uh, we're still we're still trying to get more um, uh-huh. as much as possible we're trying to liven up the conversation by bringing in more people because um, of yeah like different people people yeah, who don't even know uh, different perspectives like yes. help always and um what else uh we're still we have a book list we're not gonna reveal yet um what season yeah. three books are but if you have suggestions we're still open to yeah we're either adding or replacing yeah. some of the books we're going to be talking about so please You're do comment them. It, yeah send us your messages on instagram I, I i contrary to what mariana says i do have some people who email who still do email really yeah people like still, fiction friends fiction friends yeah email you yeah they, they email the fiction friend i manage by the way for our listeners i'm the one who manages the email so mariana doesn't know but we do get e- occasional <laughs> very few very few emails um, but i read your instagram DMs, yeah she handles the DMs. Like, yeah. She handles the DMs. Um, Mostly. You can contact us however way you want. Yeah. Um, okay, so uh, anything you want to plug since this is our last uh, our last episode? I, I'll, I'll plug uh, my YouTube channel. You can please go to my YouTube. Oh, subscribe to me on YouTube. Uh, I, I've just recently gotten 1,500 subscribers. Ah! Yeah, and I'm really happy about that. So um, I'm actually going to start doing more book content there also, but more of yes, non-fiction. Please. More non-fiction because uh-huh. I already have yeah, fiction friends, fiction for, friends for, fiction, for my fiction for books. Fiction, yeah. yeah, so if you're also a fan of non-fiction stuff, self-help, I'll be talking about stuff like that on my YouTube channel. So subscribe to me on YouTube. It's Jet Luga on YouTube. Um you can also follow me on TikTok, but I don't really post there anymore. Uh, how about you, Mariana? Um, I think I'm going to plug my art account Go and ahead. my film account. Go okay, ahead. so y- if you like art or if you collect art, um, I have an art account that's called Mariana's Lunchbox. It's where I post my paintings. And yeah. if you are a fan of... You um, can buy her painting. Yeah, you can buy. Or you can <laughs> ask me to um, commission stuff. People have been asking me lately also. And if you're a fan of film... Film photos and yeah. all. I have a film dump. It's called MGV Film. Yeah. So if you're into film, we can talk about film there. And maybe my Instagram account, Mariana G. Varela, if you yeah. want to follow me as yeah. a person. Yeah. So I guess you can follow my Instagram too, but I'm, yeah. not, I'm not very interesting. Um, not? I post stupid stuff on my Instagram yeah, all the time. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that's how you can reach us. Yeah. That's but the Fiction Friends Instagram account, definitely follow that. It's Fiction Friends P8 yes. on Instagram. Please do. Um, we'd love to talk to you on that account. We'd love to hear your thoughts on the books that you're reading. Um, uh-huh. we're, we're also going to be posting a lot about books that we don't cover on the podcast on that account. Um, we don't... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Actually, like, yeah. we're like trying to make it a... I know also Bookstagram. like Bookstagram, yeah. but failing yeah, at no, it. We'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. You no, because we like, can only cover so many books for the actual yeah. podcast. So like the stuff that doesn't get featured on the podcast. We, we'll, we try we'll to there. like put it there. But yeah, yeah. we're we're, we're busy working people on it. We're working with on it. hobbies. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, thank you everyone for listening to yeah. us. More for, listeners now para we can get the content. Yeah. A content person yeah. who can <laughs> handle focus, that yeah, stuff. Yeah, you know. <laughs> um, we, we genuinely enjoy doing this 
obviously we're not getting paid to do this yeah. or whatever we just do this because it's fun and we love books and we know everyone who listens to us loves books too and we were doing this for you and for us <laughs> and like uh it the, the fact that you're listening is uh, great support enough. So thank you guys for sticking with us for the last couple of seasons. We're excited to come back for season three. Um, hopefully by quarter to uh, second quarter or third quarter of uh, this year. And yeah, that's about it for this episode and for this season of Fiction Friends. Um, we'll see you guys around in our next season. Yes, Until yes, then, yes. keep on reading. Bye. Bye.